Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Mari Brunson, and I will be reading John 9, 1 through 12. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Jesus said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went away and washed. When he returned, he could see. The man's neighbors and those who used to see him when he was a beggar said, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. Another said, No, it's someone who looks like him. But the man said, Yes, it's me. So they asked him, How are you able to see? He answered, The man they called Jesus made mud, smeared it on my eyes, and said, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. They asked, Where is this man? He replied, I don't know. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here with all of you. What Dale didn't mention about the Wesley Foundation is that he's on our board there. And so, like, think about all the many varied things Dale does for y'all here. He does a lot of them over at the Wesley Foundation, too, and help us out there. And at the Wesley Foundation, one of my jobs is to teach people that what campus ministers do is more than just buying coffee for college kids. I also sometimes take them out for tea. And there is this super rad tea place in Denton called HTO, and they have like 64 flavors of tea, and they'll serve it to you in like essentially a bucket, right? And so pretty often then we have staff meeting in my car driving through HTO, or I'll go to pick up a student from a bad day at work, and we'll go to HTO and have pastoral care meeting in my orange Tiguan. But one thing I noticed the other day when I was there is that the drive-thru had a giant sign that said, we are not responsible for tea that has left the drive-thru. And it was, it was giant. And so I said, what, does this happen a lot that people spill their giant bucket of peach green tea in their car, and then they come in and want a new one. And they said, it happens all the time, which is why they had to put up a big sign. And I think about that a lot at the Wesley because the students that come to me have a lot of the same experiences. And today we're talking about one of those things that happens in our ministry all the time, which is people have heard one of the many things that Jesus never said, that you get what you deserve. Students come with experiences of having been told that the bad thing that happened to them could have been avoided if they had followed the rules better. It happens so often that I think, like HTO does, perhaps I should just put out a giant sign in front of the Wesley that said, Jesus never said that. 
In this series, we're taking an opportunity to look at some of those things that we've sometimes passed around without really looking to see what Jesus had to say about what happens when things don't go the ways we expected. What happens when we don't get what we deserved? Like many of our questions, the one asked in our scripture today isn't just a question about God, but it's also about ourselves. So in this story, then, Jesus is being followed around by some really smart, churchy people. They know the whole scriptures, and they know the best questions to ask to get, like, the most bang for their buck with their time with Jesus, right? They're not wasting time on any questions that can be answered by the books. They've read the books. They're going to take all the time with Jesus to answer the big questions that the books don't answer. And Jesus, over and over again throughout the Gospels, refuses to answer those questions and instead gives us an action. Like most of our questions, this one is not just about God. It's not just theological, but it's also personal. Because when those very religious people look at that man who was born blind, they see, one hand, a sermon illustration. A terrible thing that happened. And we want to know why God made it happen. But at the heart of that, what's underneath that, is how do I make sure that that doesn't happen to me? They really want to know, if I follow all the rules... Can I be sure that I will not be the man born blind? That my children will not be the man born blind? So they ask Jesus, who is it that sinned? Who is it that caused this to happen? It was common in the first century world to believe that disabilities were punishment for some type of wrongdoing. Because they didn't have a lot of knowledge about the human body and they weren't able to discern the reason why so many things were happening. But the man born blind troubles this. Because how could he have sinned before he was even born? Especially like, we just had this beautiful baptism. Nobody would say that any bad thing that happened to this beautiful baby was his fault. That doesn't make any sense at all. And so they bring Jesus with that type of struggling. They're like, who is it that did the wrong, terrible thing? so that I can make sure that this doesn't happen to me, which is the most important thing. Not what's happening to that, the man born blind, but what's happening to me, the very religious person who's read the whole book and wants the most bang for my buck with my time with Jesus. This is the question I want to know. How can I have a life filled with the least amount of painful things? Guaranteed. But Jesus doesn't work in guarantees. Instead, Jesus doesn't even engage with that theological conversation anymore. What Jesus does is he makes the man born blind the new main character of the story. The platitudes that Jesus never said are very popular because they give us a sense of control over our life and our world. If we can take the things that Jesus says 
as some type of rule book that we can follow, and then bad things will never happen to us? First of all, that's a really great, like, commercial for church, right? Like, this is the only way to prevent bad things from happening to you. Second, that would make us feel really cozy and really good to be guaranteed that we can avoid that that's happening to that guy over there. And it's especially true with folks with disabilities or other things like that that we don't really know theologically what they mean. We, in the scriptures and in our interpretation of them over and over again, use real-life things that happen to real-life people that shape their experiences, and we use them as cute little metaphors for the ways that we can't see the things around us that God is doing. At the Wesley Foundation, one of the groups of people we work with a lot are deaf and hard-of-hearing students. And one of the reasons they found their way to the Wesley is because a couple of directors ago, then we had a deaf student that emailed every campus ministry in Denton, Texas. And there's a lot of us. We're not the only show in town. He emailed the pastor of every single one and said, would you get an American Sign Language interpreter so that I could come to your services? And the Wesley director was the only one that emailed back. And so now he's come to be a part of our ministry for four years. He's going to seminary in the fall, and he's going to be a pastor. Um, All because somebody said he was a real person worth including. Instead of he was a person that was a really convenient metaphor for the ways that we ourselves cannot hear and see God's word. But a real person, and that's exactly the same move that Jesus makes here, They say, Jesus, that is something bad that I do not want to happen to me. And instead, Jesus says, oh, he's not a that. He's a person. And Jesus brings him to the center of the story, makes him blessed by this magical miracle. And then the whole rest of the chapter is this man giving his own testimony again and again, I find a lot of comfort in this story, even though it's, like, not one of our go-tos, necessarily. Because in 2020, don't you love sermon stories that start with, in 2020? Then I had COVID, and it didn't go away. I got COVID during Holy Week, and then I was sick through Easter, and then I was sick at Pentecost, And then I was sick when school started. And then I was sick at Christmas. And all around me were people also getting COVID, and they were better in 10 days or 14 days. Or it never hurt at all. They were fine the whole time. And I fiercely examined other aspects of my life looking for the thing that I had done wrong to deserve to be sick for so long, I thought about every grocery bag that I didn't bleach wipe when it walked into my house. I thought about every time I said, I know we're not supposed to hug people, but I really love to see this person. I was a pastor in a small town, so there were lots of like 
illegal hugs during COVID times. For every trunk I closed at the food pantry drive-thru, I thought about which one of those was the reason that I deserved to have my lungs not work anymore. And we were having a church council meeting talking about if we were going to go back to in-person worship and when we did, what type of restrictions we would have to have. And it became very convenient in that meeting of only a few people to say, well, you know what? Mary Ann still has COVID right now. So that's a point for my team. Well, you know what? I don't think Marianne has COVID at all. I've decided I'm her doctor, and she's got something else, and that's a point for my team. And all of a sudden, I was no longer the pastor in that meeting, but I was just a chip to prove one ideology or another. And I think I felt the same way this man born blind probably felt. I wasn't a whole and holy person that was there in the room, but I was that bad thing that happened that might prove one point or another. When I read this story, then I know what it feels like to be the that, the thing that nobody wants to happen to them. And Jesus is teaching us, in addition to something important about God and the mystery and love of God, Jesus is also teaching us something important about our neighbor. Because Jesus looks at this question, how do I avoid being that guy? And instead of answering them, then Jesus turns the attention to that man. Jesus looks at the man born blind and he sees not a sermon illustration, not a theological point to be debated or kicked around to see who gets to be more right. Not as a rule book for how to avoid all the terrible things that have happened to that man. But Jesus looks at the man born blind and sees him as a whole and holy child of God whose existence doesn't need to be apologized for. Jesus sees him as a whole and holy child of God who has been given a testimony about God's love and power, about the things that are possible in God that have been impossible by every other attempt. These people that have built a society, a community, where there's no place for the man born blind, then Jesus says, all aren't the most important. The most important part of this story is him. A whole and holy child of God who did not get what he deserved, but glorified God with what he got. When the man comes back from the pool of Siloam, then he sees and everybody is debating, like, not sure that I believe this. It's probably not him. It's probably just a dude that looks like him. And they ask around, and if you read more of the chapter, which you should, it's a good story. John 9, just the whole thing's a banger. But if you read more of it, then they go to ask the man's parents. He says he's the man born blind, but look at him. He's not blind anymore. I can't believe it. 
And the man's testimony about what Jesus has done in his life becomes fuller the more it's cross-examined through this story. But the very first time he tells the story, then they ask him, well, where is Jesus now? And the man answers, I don't know. And that is sometimes our most honest testimony. To show glorifying God, tell the story of what God has done for us. And then not be pressured to make up a bunch of stuff we don't know for sure. That's one of the things I do at the Wesley a lot. People come in and they have their 50 questions that they're going to use to judge if I am a trustworthy pastor or not, or if I'm a Bible-believing pastor is one of the common occurrences. And finally, we get to one of those that the Bible doesn't answer for us. We get to one of those that John Wesley never said anything about. We get to the one that I can't Google and find exactly the right, perfect, satisfying definition. And there's a lot of pressure in a lot of religious spaces to just make something up because questions we can't answer are so uncomfortable. But it is much more honest to the work of God in our lives to do what the man born blind does. And when we get to that point where the mystery must speak for itself, we just have to say, hmm, I don't know. Our deservedness is something that only we are concerned about. And a lot of times when we hit on that question that we finally don't know the answer to, that's the problem. That like the good, smart, churchy people following Jesus around, asking all the good questions, we're concerned about the wrong thing. Because Jesus says to stop wondering about the deservedness of this man and start honoring the belovedness of this man. Grace is to get what we could never deserve. And in this story, the man born blind is the one that receives it, but in actuality, it is each of us. That if we turn the question of deserving the bad things into deserving the good things, we start to realize that all of us have been stewards of miracles we didn't earn. And all of us have been stewards of terrible tragedies we didn't deserve. But we are not that terrible thing that happened to us. We are this beautiful grace we were formed in. Not just our deservedness, but our belovedness and the ways in which we share that love. The man born blind knows what so many of us have not been able to shake loose quite yet, that the love of God can never be deserved, but it can always be shared. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we are grateful for this place and time for these wonderful people that you've gathered together to celebrate, to glean something new and fresh from your spirit and your word, to encourage each other, to worship you.
We ask that you would help us lean into the mystery of your great love for us. That we would be moved to share it with those around us. That instead of isolating the people that make a good theological point for us, that we would embrace them as parts of our beloved community. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.